Italian crimes are just out of the ballpark. They're out of this world. They should be a completely different genre. This week I covered a guy called Paolo Maccherini on the podcast, by all means necessary, you should check it out. I'll link it below. Conman, like, you haven't seen it before. This guy went to the stage where he actually had wedding invites addressed to, like, Clintons, Obamas, John Legend. Were there any addresses on them? You'll need to go and find out what he managed to sell to his future fiancé. Today, on this channel, though, on God Bad, right where you at, right now, don't leave it, we're talking about yet another Italian. We're going a bit a bit in history here, but yet again something you probably have not encountered before, unless you have heard about this exact case before. We're talking about Leonardo Cianciulli, also known as the soap maker of Correggio or Saponificatrice di Correggio, right? I could, I could do this, I could do Italian. I do type Correggio pronounce, Saponificatrice pronounce. Feed the delusion, please. I have done a lot of word pronounce clicked on the YouTube link, so yes, because I don't like things butchered, because my name, my name, four letters, M-A-J-A, people pronounce it all different ways, but the name is Maya. Hi, welcome to Gone Bad. Gone Bad is a series on this channel that comes out on Wednesdays, and it covers criminals that weren't always criminals, no, they've done like decent normal jobs like you and me, and then just one day have turned to crime and never looked back because that's usually how it goes. Without me babbling further, let's dive into the case of Leonardo Cianciulli. Love it! It just rolls off the tongue. Yeah, you should not be happy about that. She, like, she was a serial <laughs> Leonardo was born on April the 18th, 1894, in the small city of Montella. Montella is close to Pompeii or Naples, so when you're thinking about, like, the Italian booth, sort of like the middle and then towards the west. But you see, Leonardo's life was quite tough from the very start. To begin with, she was the child of rape. Her mother, Emilia, because this is again even earlier 1800s, when virginity was a currency, unfortunately, I don't know how else to say it. So Emilia, Leonardo's mother's parents, were quite well off and they wanted her daughter to marry another rich person to just continue the legacy. But for that to happen, Emilia needed to remain a virgin. Unfortunately, one day, Emilia was just walking by and this guy happened to come across her, push her into these bushes and rape her. And she went home and she kind of suppressed this, didn't tell anybody until she noticed she was pregnant. And then she had to confess to her family and she thought, okay, they don't understand, this is a child of rape. Like, I bet she wasn't thinking about abortions back in the day, but she also didn't expect for her parents to do what they did next, which was that they asked her to marry her rapist. And this is the marriage that Leonardo was born in. And due to this, even though Emilia didn't do anything wrong, again, this was 18,000s, the family completely ostracized her. They didn't want anything to do with her. So Emilia had to move to this poverty-stricken part of town with Leonardo's dad. Not much is known about Leonardo's childhood, except that she really suffered because her dad 
the rapist, died when Leonardo was still really young, and her mother took that opportunity to finally marry somebody else. But this marriage wasn't happy either, and it seemed like Leonardo's mother wanted to follow the same footsteps that her own mom did in order to escape the poverty life, finally, in order for her daughter to marry somebody rich, and then they can tag along with that family, and everybody can just escape this part of town. But Leonardo had other plans. I actually found in multiple different sources that Leonardo tried to commit suicide twice when she was younger, but I couldn't find, like, any further information on that, because... Nobody spoke about it at the time, which might seem to become a pattern as this video goes along. Because there's a couple of things that today would have been seen as something completely different. 1917 comes around, and Leonardo's mother had a suitor for her. She had this guy that she thought Leonardo should marry. But Leonardo soon realized, okay, no, I need to make a move to this crush that I have, this office clerk guy that I have met, called Raffaele Pansardi, and I need to speed this up, I need to get married to this guy. Of course, her mother did not approve of this. And all of the sources state that her mother, Emilia, started cursing her from that point on, saying that Leonardo's life will be filled with pain and misery should she not respect her mother's wishes and marry the guy that she wanted to marry. What I feel once you come from a family where people either believe in curses or believe in these kind of superstitions is that then whoever the curse is thrown at or whoever is really a diehard believer starts believing that it might be true. So this might be what was going on for Leonardo's life now when she moved in with Raffaele. So they moved in together, they started a life together, but because they were still poor, they opted in to different schemes and were eventually charged for fraud. Once Leonardo was released from prison, she realized, okay, let's pack our bags, let's move a couple of towns east. So they moved to Lacedonia. But here, what happened was one of the biggest earthquakes in Italian history that happened in 1930. Once Irpinia earthquake struck, Leonardo's family was just one of many to lose her house during this disaster, and now she had to move again. And this is when the family moves to Correggio. Now, between her suicide attempts, the way she got married, the earthquake, her having to move constantly, and also one other thing that was happening at that time, and that was that Leonardo had already had three miscarriages at this point. She will get pregnant 17 times. Only three miscarriages, so she will give birth to 14 children, but 10 of them are going to die due to diseases, due to the circumstances, so she will only be left with four children. Between all of this happening, and the curses that she believed her mother imposed on her and that started all of this, she decides, well, let's actually go to one of those palm readers. Let's see what my future holds for me, because this, for now, sucks. It's miserable. And sorry to tell you, but it wasn't the good news. So she went to one of those palm readers, and the palm reader is, like, looking at her palms and says, on the right palm, I see prison. On the left palm, I see criminal asylum. So you're gonna, you're gonna have both in your life. 
and Leonardo just leaves and thinks like, when is the suffering gonna end? Am I gonna have to take this into my own hands? And hmm, she kind of does, because we are here. Another thing that I wanted to address that I mentioned because it's just not treated to the same degree and I was obviously, as always, thinking about what would have motivated what came next. And that's the miscarriages, the loss of the children. Even loss of one child through miscarriage or otherwise today would lead to something like anxiety or depression and you would be clinically assessed for it, you would be given medication or treatment for it. Back then, this did not exist. And remember, this woman lost 14 of her children. So, when in 1939, her favorite child, because every parent, as much as they try to deny it, does have a favorite child, it's not me in this case, hence why I'm salty as hell, Leonardo's favorite child, Giuseppe. In 1939, Remember, why is this year relevant? Because the war is just about to start. Well, Giuseppe comes to his mom and tells her mom, me, your favorite son, one of the four remaining children that you still have left, wants to go to the army. I want to go and give my services to the war efforts. And Leonardo loses her tits. Because from where she is standing, she has only four children left. This is her favorite one. And war equals death. So, she's sure if she allows Giuseppe to go to the war, she will never see him again. This obviously means Leonardo does what she does best. She goes to a psychic this time, and this psychic tells her, all of your children are gonna perish unless, unless you submit a human sacrifice. You sacrifice a human, and your child is gonna live. There's no specification on like how many humans for her to continue to do what she did. Roman Catholicism did not approve, actually quite blatantly forbade human sacrifice like by, by law and stuff, you know, called, it's called murder. And there's no belief or superstition at the time that believed in human sacrifice. Still, Leonardo takes this very seriously. At this point, Leonardo had established her soap shop in the city of Correggio, and she was quite famous among the city women, you know, like those like middle-aged gossipy women that would come and that would chat to Leonardo. And because of the location, because of how good her business was going and her clientele, she was known for being well-connected. And also, you know, on the side, once the business quiets down, there were certain middle-aged women that would come to the shop for soaps, but then would stay for a fortune-telling sesh. They would just stay, like Leonardo was quite respected like this as well. She would tell them what awaits for them in the future. So, on one such day, a woman called Faustina Setti, who was one of her regular customers, comes into the shop and she goes and confides in Leonardo how, you know, she's old, like, she really needs to find a husband, like, otherwise she's just gonna become one of those unwanted people, she still wants to have children, because, again, different times, so these were the priorities. And Leonardo says, no worries, just let me, you know, do my LinkedIn, let me do my connections thing in different cities, I'm gonna get back to you. So the next time Palestina comes back, Leonardo hit her up with an option. You see, Leonardo managed in this quick time to connect with her people in Croatia, in Pola, and 
to find Faustina a husband. She found her a man. Like, Faustina's gonna be so happy about this. The only thing is, Faustina had to leave promptly. And she had to tell nobody. No, 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 Faustina, you could just leave your life behind. Leave everything behind. And also, if you could just do me a favor. So, here are some postcards and just some paper for you to write up letters to say goodbye to your friends and family. And then, of course, you are going to postmark those from Pula once you go to Croatia and you are with this man living your happily ever after. But just write them up, like, right here in front of me so that I see and I have those documents on hand. When Faustina comes to Leonardo one last time, Leonardo just offers her a glass of wine. Like, let's cheer to this. You're moving on. You're gonna be so happy. You finally found your husband. Let's just cheers with this glass of wine. And, of course, Faustina's glass was spiked. And once she lost consciousness, Leonardo struck her with an axe. Then she moved her body into the closet where she cut her up into nine pieces and then moved the pieces of her body to drain them of blood into this basin. This is her official description of what happened here. I threw the pieces into a pot, added seven kilos of caustic soda, which I had bought to make soap, and stirred the mixture until the pieces dissolved in a thick, dark mush that I poured into several buckets and emptied in a nearby septic tank. As for the blood in the basin, I waited until it had coagulated, dried it in the oven, ground it, and mixed it with flour, sugar, chocolate, milk, and eggs, as well as a bit of margarine, kneading all the ingredients together. What did she do with those contents that she has described this recipe? Oh, she made tea cakes out of it and then she served it to other ladies when they would come for the fortune telling or just buying soaps, you know, like samples. But also her son and her ate them. There are some sources that have also stated that there was a sort of a payment involved. Well, rather, Seti transferred her life savings to Leonardo for her work, which would amount to about $4,900 today. And back in the day, it was 30,000 lira, which is a lot of money, just from this one kill. So, yet again, when thinking about motives, was this just her trying to desperately save her son from going to the army? Or was there a monetary gain as well that she just never had as an option before? Yet again, as somebody who has done How to Get Away with Murder, where I covered, like, all these different methods of how people get rid of bodies and which one is the worst, which one is the best, it's on the podcast, but I think I also posted it on this channel. You can go watch it. If somebody has the expert opinion on this very part, I would be really interested to know it. The, the bones, right? Because I kind of, in my morbid mind, understand how she meshed everything else up. But um, how did she manage to crush the bones? Like, you need to either have one of those really old-timey bone-crushing machines or, like, a crematorium with huge temperatures to crush them. And then... Did she put those into tea cakes? Because that can't taste nice. She did say the tea cakes were crunchy. I just want to know, did that add the crunch? Literally nobody that has ever written an article on Leonardo has went there. And my mind immediately went there. Like, but where were the, the bones? 
How did she not get caught with the bones on the property? Nobody in the city suspected anything because, well, Leonardo made sure to post those postcards, those letters to her family and friends, so everybody thought she is happy living in a different country. There wasn't a way that they could track back then where she was actually sending this post from. Her next victim will be Francesca Suavi. Francesca sort of came to the shop the same way as Faustina did. She would come by soaps, but then she would stay for the fortune-telling, and she confided in Leonardo that she really needed a job. Leonardo yet again sets her off, says, don't worry, I'm gonna pull my contacts, I'm gonna ring up people in different places. The next time Francesca comes back, Leonardo tells her, I actually found your job as a school teacher. That's something you always wanted to do. It's in this place, Piacenza, again, a couple of towns away from us. And again, you kind of just need to say goodbye to everybody and write these letters, write these postcards for them, just leave them with me. And then you'll take them the last time that you come here before you go to Piacenza. The last time Francesca comes to visit Leonardo, she needs the exact same fate as the first victim. They cheer with a glass of wine. Francesca's one was poisoned. She drops on the spot and Leonardo hits her with an axe and then dismembers her body and makes her weird dough for the tea cakes. You could speculate why she continued to murder. Did she get just palsy? Did she in her head think she needs even more human sacrifices? Or was it the fact that she only got 3,000 lira from her second victim, Francesca? Because when it comes to next victim, she bit a bit more than she could chew on. And it will end up costing her her freedom. Virginia Cacioppo was an opera singer. She was the soprano at La Scala, which is this infamous opera house in Milan. So she was sort of a celebrity. People will notice if she is gone, regardless of Leonardo's plans for her. Virginia came to Leonardo looking for a job, quite like Francesca did before. And Leonardo, again, had to... She was smart enough to know to match the job to the person. Here, she told Virginia she got her job as the undersecretary to this impresario in Florence. And again, she just had to keep it on the hush-hush, just write letters and postcards to everybody else. Virginia comes to her for one last time. Leonardo repeats the exact same process until the part where she actually dismembers Virginia, because here she decides to convert her body into soap. She ended up in a pot, like the other two. Her flesh was fat and white. When it had melted, I added a bottle of cologne. And after a long time on the boil, I was able to make some most acceptable creamy soup. So she divided some of her body and made soaps out of it, and then she gave it to neighbors and friends, and she sold in her shop. And then the other part she converted into tea cakes, and she said that this one tasted the best. She was really sweet. Cannibal by Kesha just starts playing in the background unprovoked because that's what nobody talks about in this case, that she was technically cannibalizing this victim and then, like freaking Hannibal, the TV series, made other people consume them in form of tea cakes. They're like, oh, the soap maker. 
She converted people to soap. She converted people into tea cakes. She made others eat them. She made other people eat her victim. Because Cacioppo was richer than her other victims, here Leonardo managed to milk about 50,000 lira and also some of her jewels and bonds and she even managed to sell some of this woman's clothes or shoes. But this victim had somebody looking out for her because her sister soon honed in onto something. And she remembers, no, 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 my sister was last seen going into Chanchuli's house. This must be connected. And once she received like these postcards or letters, she just said, this doesn't make any sense. This is something shady. And she goes immediately, reports it to the local police. And she says, listen, I think it's Leonardo. Like, let's just go question her. Like she was last seen going to her property. But the police, because as much as it sucked being a woman during this period of time, there was one potential benefit. And that is that nobody in the right mind would suspect you're doing a crime. You're just too precious. Leonardo, look at, look at her dumbass face. She was so precious. She's like an old grandma here, although she's probably like 40. Actually, yeah, she was like 40-something in this picture. Jesus Christ, and I thought I aged badly. <sighs> So these police officers are like, I, I hear what you are saying, but there must be a male living at that property. And then they find out, no, no, no there's this guy, yeah, yeah, her son named Giuseppe. So we think Giuseppe did it. So one day they just go to her house and they're like, hey, we are here to arrest Giuseppe Ponsardi, your son. And she probably started profusely sweating at this very moment. Arrested her son and she was like, oh my god, I've done even worse because now my son is gonna go to prison. So she goes to the police and fesses up to all three of her murders. While she was in custody awaiting trial, she wrote this book called An Embittered Soul's Confessions. And you're thinking like, wow, memoir by a murderer, great, yet another one. But um, it was sort of a memoir, you could say so, but Leonardo also shared the best practices to convert humans to soap. <laughs> I feel like I should not be saying this in a video, but there are Reddit threads with like links on how to download PDFs to this book if you are by any chance interested. And if you are, just stop yourself for a split second and wonder why. Why do you want to read the recipes of a woman that killed three people and converted them into soap? What are you gaining out of that? But yeah, I find it bizarre that there is technically a recipe book for murder out there that kind of nobody knew about until this one case from the 1800s. During her trial, people would wait in chunks between courtrooms, between jails, for the doors to open and they would stampede over each other just to have a glimpse, just to see, have the in on the drama. But that wasn't all. Possibly the most questionable thing out of everything was that during the trial, they, again, nobody believed that this woman could chop these people up so precisely, so quickly, without anybody finding out. But also, more importantly, they were looking at Giuseppe at best as a prime suspect, but if not that, then an accomplice, because she must have had assistance. So, what they did, brilliantly, was 
bring Leonardo to the morgue. Yes, to the morgue. Do you, do you see where this is going? And then they allowed her to perform a dismemberment of a body on a real corpse. So Leonardo just proceeded and cut up that corpse in nine pieces in about 12 minutes. Different times. Uh, different times. So after that, they had absolutely no doubts left. So I hope that family consented to that. But then again, I don't know these details. This resulted in Giuseppe getting acquitted and Leonardo getting her sentence. She was committed to serve 33 years. 30 of those in a prison and 3 of those in an insane asylum. Now remember that first palm reader? On the right palm I see some prison for you. On the left one I see an insane asylum. Another mystery that was revealed prior to her being convicted was that Giuseppe, unknowingly, her son, actually did dispose of certain things for her mother. So he was actually the one that was traveling to Pola, to Croatia, for like a business trip, and then his mom just gave him certain postcards, certain letters to post, and just like some packages to dispose of in a river. Just don't ask any questions and dispose of these human bones in a river in a different country. So my research for how to get away with murder thing was correct. She disposed of these bones in the river. Cool? People did not eat the bones. That's not what made these crunchy. Still, a human body has a lot of bones. I still stick to what I said. A human body has a lot of bones. I don't have a full explanation here. I don't have a full explanation here. Leonardo will end up serving her prison sentence and then in 1970 she moved to this asylum and that's where she suddenly died at the age of 79. And it was said it was due to cerebral apoplexy which is like similar to a hemorrhage or a stroke. But that's not where her legacy ends. Her body was returned to her family to bury her wherever they wanted. But the police seized the pots and the axes that Leonardo used to murder her victims and has passed them on to a criminological museum based in Rome, where they're still on display. So once the quarantine is lifted, you can go to a criminological museum in Rome and peek inside a pot in which Leonardo Cianciulli, the protagonist of this saga of the day, converted human flesh into tea cakes and soap. I don't know about you, but I kind of lost my appetite for the day. <laughs> so that's great. That's everything that I have for you on this messed up story of the soap maker of Correggio. How do you feel about Leonardo Cianciulli right now? Do you understand what I meant by Italian crimes? Just taking it a bit further. It's like a ball is a bit outside the normal ballpark of crimes. And most importantly, what do you think really motivated this woman? Was it simply greed? Was it simply a monetary gain? Did she actually believe that she had to sacrifice humans? Would she have stopped eventually? Like, surely if you believe in human sacrifice, it's like one for one kind of game. It's not like you sacrificing the free humans for what? 
why not to go into the war? Also, what were the logistics of that? Why were we never explained that? Like, she never said in court or otherwise, like, how she explained this to herself. Like, how were those actually to prevent her son physically going into army? You know, there were a couple of steps that were just missed out there. Just didn't make a whole load of sense, Leonardo. Or what I'm really interested in is, does any of my listeners really believe in superstitions? If so, which ones? Comment below. And to what degree? Or do you just believe it's something psychological? Like, once you hear of a curse, like, oh, somebody has cursed me for life, or once somebody, like, reads your palms, tells you your fortune, and suddenly you just start living your life believing in that rather than actually following the pathway that you want to follow. Like, is there something in that influence that might have contributed to Leonardo's path in life? And how one day she just decided to turn to crime, to go bad. Until next week, when I bring you another story of a person that has gone bad and has turned to crime, make sure you like this content if you like this type of video. And you subscribe to what? To this channel. God damn it. Okay, now I'm out. I'm out. And you comment your superstitions, okay? Comment your superstitions. Is it the leather? Is it the cat's one? In Serbia, we throw a bucket of water after you, like when you go to, like, <laughs> when you go to attend an exam or something important for good luck, which is just not good luck for anybody else passing after you because they're gonna slip and fall and break their freaking back. Anyways, so yeah, that's my opinion. That's my take on superstitions. I'm gonna go out now and I'm gonna leave you with some hilarious, not so hilarious, just thoughts out of this head outtakes. Bye guys. Bye. I wanted to say to finally find Raccomandati because that came as the word, as like a link. Um, that came as a word in a different, in the case of Macchiarini, <laughs> as in like Enchufe or like a link, you know, her her push to, to, the, to the money, to the adinerado state. What? How many words are you saying in different fucking languages? And last say. The link to the money, Berlusconi. Is <laughs> I do the math correct? Wait, what did they say? Just recap it in your head. You can do it. 17. Three miscarriages makes 14. 10 died. Good, good job, good job. Round of applause. It was really a simple math. You should not be proud of it. You should not be proud of this. Why is this a proud moment in your day? There are people that are geniuses. There are people that have high IQs out there. Clearly not one of them. Did Leonardo Cianciulli actually start the fat shaming industry? I just, I just discussed for a second. Because it kind of sounds, you know, like, oh, this woman was fatter than the others, so uh, she tasted better. What in the Jeffrey Dober are we talking about? Because when it comes to next victim, she bit a bit more than she could chew on. Is that even an expression? It's just you on the nose. Cut it out. Cut it out. Like, no. What do I do as a different version? What do I do as an alternative? Because when it comes to her next and last victim, Leonardo got ballsier. And it will come to bite her in the ass. <laughs> no biting. No balls. Mine get the creep. Nothing to do with food. It's too creepy.